Okay, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter six. Today we're going to talk about a fighting spirit. A fighting spirit. Verse twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Underline the words fight, lay hold, and profess. We see three very important faith principles in this verse. Fight, lay hold, profess. Now this word profess, you see it in other places in the New Testament, is confess, same Greek word, homologio, it means to say the same thing. And, and when it says to say the same thing, it doesn't mean to say the same thing the devil's telling you in your mind. It means to say the same thing God says. To say the same thing God says in his word. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no matter what you feel. So when you've been told by the doctors, no hope, terminal, no cure, when you've been told no way, when you've been told by the council no way, when you've been told by, you know, your job or some other organization, no way, uh, you got to be a fighter. Amen? Yes. You got to be a fighter. You got to be a faith fighter. So the world has a way of fighting, but it's not the kind of fighting this verse is talking about. Uh, the world fights people with physical weapons, and we're fighting spiritual unseen forces using spiritual weapons. So um, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, really, but the fight is not with people. This says the fight of faith. The fight is to stay in faith when the devil's trying to drag you out of faith over into the natural realm, over into the mental reasoning realm. That's the fight of faith is to, to fight not allowing him to draw you over into this mental reasoning area because if he can get you out of faith over into this reasoning uh, mental area, he will defeat you. So it's the fight of faith. We're not fighting people. We're not directly fighting the devil. He's, of course, involved. But it's the fight to stay in faith when, when the devil is trying to pull you out of faith. And he does that using the things around you, and what we see and what we feel and what we hear, things in this natural realm, because that's where he's bound to. He's, he's bound to this physical realm. He's been thrown out 
of the spirit realm. Jesus threw him out of there. He's bound to, to using things here on this earth to come against us with. So, fighting the fight of faith is laying hold of what belongs to us, and it's not automatic. Just because it belongs to us, just because Jesus has already bought and paid for it, doesn't mean that it's automatic. It says, lay hold on eternal life. Now, eternal life is not just living forever. Eternal life is not just length of life. It includes length of life, but it's also talking about quality of life. Uh, you know, even the ungodly, they're going to exist forever, but they are not going to have life as God has it. They're not going to have the God kind of life. That's what this word uh, means. It, it's the Greek word zoe, and it means the God kind of life. Life is God has it. Uh, healing and divine health are manifestations of eternal life. Financial material abundance are manifestations of eternal life. Being born again is a manifestation of eternal life. So we're talking about quality of living, and Jesus referred to it in Matthew 6.10 when he said, Thy will be done on earth as what? As it is in heaven. The God kind of life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's his will. We enjoy this uh, quality of life here and now. Jesus also referred to it in John 10.10 10, when he said, I came that ye might have life. Life, Zoe life, in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. So Jesus referred to it. Uh, the Greek word here, uh, lay hold. It, it, uh, it means to take hold, to seize. Sometimes with hostile intent. So this is an aggressive word. This is not a passive word. It's an aggressive word. It, it's a form of the, uh, the word. It's, a, it's related to the word uh, that's translated receive in Mark eleven twenty four, when Jesus said, uh, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. It's related to that word, receive, take. To aggressively take, showing personal initiative, focused resolve. So that doesn't sound like it's something that's automatic, does it? You know, personal initiative, focused resolve. So this is very different from the theological position many have embraced, you know, when they say, well, God's will be done. And if it happens, it must have been God's will. And if it didn't happen, well, then it must not have been God's will. It's not up to us. Well, what I've just read to you sounds like it's not all up to God. It's not all automatic. That we, we have a part to play in this. That's why he's saying, fight the good fight of faith. He's talking to us. He's talking to us.
when people, you know, say, well, God's will be done, it's not up to us and all this, there's no faith in that. There's no fight, there's no laying hold, there's no seizing, there's no conflict, there's no taking it. So, you know, if you believe something's all up to God, are you going to fight for it? Probably not. If you don't even know it belongs to you, are you going to fight for it? Definitely not, you know? So, the dictionary definition of a fighting spirit, the willingness to compete or to do things that are difficult. The willingness to compete or to do things that are difficult. That's the dictionary meaning of a fighting spirit. Uh, you hear people say, you know, I'm not going to take no for an answer. You know, that's, that's a fighting spirit. Where's your fighting spirit? These are some examples. Everybody say fight. Right. Now let's turn to 1 Peter 5, which is just over to the right a little further. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Why do we have to fight? Because we have an adversary. We have an adversary, somebody who's trying to keep us from possessing what belongs to us. If we were just here by ourselves, we had no adversary, uh, you know, we wouldn't have to fight for what already belongs to us. We would just have it. We, we would just have it. But we, we live in a hostile environment. We're surrounded by people some who are in church every Sunday, some who are never in church. They're, they walk by sight. They walk by how they feel. They live and they talk according to the natural course of this world. Death, destruction, sickness, failure. That's the, the world that, that we're operating in. Now the word adversary, uh, it describes uh, a prosecuting attorney in a courtroom who brings charges on you. They, they accuse you of breaking the law. Or the, an adversary, it, that describes the prosecuting attorney in a courtroom. And he's there to charge you. And he's there to tell everybody what you did wrong and uh, every mistake you've made and where you missed it and, and uh, all, all this. Um, and this is in Revelation, it says uh, Satan is the accuser of the brethren who accuses us before God night and day. So it's kind of like being in, in a courtroom and God's the judge and the devil is a prosecuting attorney telling God what all you've done wrong and why you don't deserve to have this and blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is your attorney and he just points to his blood and says, right there, that's enough evidence. That's my evidence right there. God says, case closed. Amen?
So, Satan is our adversary. Uh, there's nothing to fight if there's no one to fight. Now, we're not looking for a fight. <laughs> we're not looking for a fight. But, when you find out from the Word of God what belongs to you, and you begin to exercise your faith, and you begin to lay hold of it with your faith, the fight is on. Isn't that right? The fight is on. And you weren't looking for it. The accuser, the adversary, the devil, will try to come and steal it from you or to talk you into quitting before it's manifested. Now, here in verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant. Other translations say, Be clear-headed, keep alert, be on your guard. This verse doesn't say the devil devours everyone he seeks. It just says he's looking for those he can devour. He's always looking for an opportunity. You know, when, when Satan came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, and Jesus hit him back three times with the word of God, it's written. And, and the devil couldn't move him off of that. It's written. It says... The devil went away, he departed until he, he had an, an opportune time. So he was waiting for another opportunity to come back and, and try to uh, attack Jesus again. He's always looking and, and waiting for an opportunity. So he can't devour everybody. If he, if he was all that powerful, he'd just devour everybody. You know, that we, we would just be... You know, he's, he's not that powerful. He's not the big shot that he makes himself out to be. He can't devour everybody. Everybody say, I'm alert. I'm on my guard. I'm learning his tricks. And he can't devour me. Amen. The easy to read version says, the devil is your enemy. And he goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to attack and eat. The message translation says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. Isn't that another way of saying fight the good fight of faith? Keep fighting. Don't give up. Amen. So we're not going to turn to Ephesians 6 right now, but over there in Ephesians 6, it says, We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And that's a, a list of Satan's uh, rank-and-file demons. Uh, they have a rank-and-file, much like the military, you know, private and own up to general. Um, and at the top, principalities are like the generals, and you go to the bottom, uh, 
uh, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, that's like the privates. And, you know, they have delegated areas of responsibility and so forth. So, uh, he said, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not, we're not fighting people. We're not struggling with, conflicting with people. We're in conflict with unseen spiritual forces that you can't see. Now, some people might say, well, I just don't like the idea of fighting. I just don't like conflict, and I'm just a peaceful person, you know. Well, uh, we're, like I said, we're not talking about conflict with people. Conflict with people is strife, and the Bible uh, warns us against strife, to avoid strife, and of course we do. But as long as we are here, as long as the devil's here, and as long as you are exercising your faith, believing God for something, uh, you are going to have conflict with the devil. We are not in the millennium yet. We're still here, and he's still here. Now, people who really take this passiveness to a real extreme make comments like, um, well, if this, you know, if, if this is really a Christian country, uh, nobody should have guns and we shouldn't have a military. Well, if that policy was enforced, I can guarantee you there would be another flag flying over this country by tomorrow. And it would be an enemy flag. There'd be another flag flying over Washington, D.C. tomorrow, and it would be an enemy flag. That's, that's, we, 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 we don't live, you know, we, we're not in the millennium yet, you know. Uh, these people live in la-la land. Uh, that, that's foolishness. Uh, and they say things like that because they see man as basically good. And man is not basically good. That's what the Bible teaches us. Man's not basically good. That's why we need a savior. And, and people don't understand that. Man is not basically good. We have adversaries, outlaws, rebellious people who have yielded to these spiritual unseen forces and they only, only understand one language, which is force and the word of God. That's all they, that's all they uh, understand. You know, you, you look around the world, whenever you see certain countries, they spot something that country has that I want, and they see a weakness there, they see the green light to move in and take it. But when they come up against force and they come up against strength, they back off. And Satan is the same way. He operates the same way. So, in the millennium, the devil will be locked up for a thousand years. And for the first time in human history, there will be no human contact with the devil. And everything's going to be wonderful. But until then, we're going to have to develop a fighting spirit if we're going to be overcomers. Amen? So, we're talking about a spiritual conflict when it comes to receiving from God. That's what we're talking about. Now, some people will say, well, I just believe the Lord will take care of me. Well, this, this 
verse says, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be on your guard. That's not being alert and on your guard when you just say, well, I, I just believe the Lord will take care of me. That, that's a passive like, you know. Um, th those people, they're already defeated. They're already marked to be devoured. They've already raised up the white flag and they've surrendered to the devil. Living by faith will not ensure that you will never have any problems. Living by faith will not ensure that you never have any problems. There are people who accuse us of teaching that. Have, I, have you ever heard me teach that? No. I've never heard anybody else teach that. I've listened to many other people teach faith. I've never heard anybody teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. Somebody just made up something and just stuck it on us. You know, they just heard something that they built a doctrine off of or something. But living by faith will ensure that if you keep fighting and you don't give up and you don't quit, God will always cause you to triumph. You can be insured about that. Amen? Hallelujah. So verse 9 says, Whom resist? Whom resist? The understood subject here is you. Whom you resist? Whom you resist? Does that mean leave it all up to God? No. Whom you resist? The, uh, I think it's the Worldwide English New Testament says, Fight against the devil. The Passion Translation says, Take a decisive stand against him. A decisive stand. That's not uh, wishy-washy, is it? That's not passive. The New Century Version says, Refuse to give in to him. The NIRV says, Stand up to him. The expanded Bible says, refuse to give in to him. This is not passive, wimpy language. Refuse to give in to him. Uh, verse 9 continues, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Steadfast. Steadfast is not giving up and quitting. Steadfast is not letting the devil talk you out of it. Steadfast is not letting the devil tell you that it's not working. The uh, one other translation says, staying resolute in your faith. Resolute. That's not passive. Resolute. Now, you may have to resist and stay resolute more than one day. And you may have to be steadfast and stay resolute more than a week. And you may have to be steadfast and stay resolute more than a month and more than a year, maybe, in some cases. So when people say, how long do I have to resist until you have what you have believed for? And when you have it in your hands, you don't have to resist anymore. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.
if somebody, you know, breaks into your house, uh, or, 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 you know, they knock on the door and, and uh, you open the door, and they, you, you know, they, they want something you have, do you resist, or do you just say, well, you know, I, I'm a peaceful person, I, I don't like conflict, uh, there's the TV over there, and there's the computer, and here's my car keys, and uh, there's a refrigerator, just take what you want, but just leave me alone. No, you don't do that, not unless you want to lose everything you have. If somebody's attacking your house, you resist till they leave. Amen? You gotta treat the devil like a rattlesnake. If you open the door and somebody stands there and throws a rattlesnake in your house and runs off, you don't say, well, I guess God wanted me to have a snake. I didn't know he wanted me to have a rattlesnake, but maybe I need a rattlesnake. You know, maybe it will, maybe it will help me uh, be stronger or something. No, you don't treat a rattlesnake like a friend. You know, it, and, and you got to treat sickness like that, and you got to treat lack. And, and everything the devil's trying to steal from you, you got to treat it like your enemy. You got to make up your mind is this my friend or is this my enemy? Amen. Now let's turn to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? The Amplified Classic says, The strong spirit, the strong spirit of a man, sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? The Common English Bible says, the human spirit sustains a sick person. What sustains a sick person? The human spirit. The human spirit is what sustains you. So whether your spirit is weak or strong, does it make any difference? Sounds like it's pretty important, doesn't it? Whether your spirit is weak or whether it's strong. The uh, easy-to-read version says, A good attitude will support you when you are sick. But if you give up, Nothing can help. The Good News Translation says, Your will to live can sustain you when you are sick. But if you lose it, your last hope is gone. Is that true, Anne? Yeah. The Passion Translation. The will to live sustains you when you're sick. But depression crushes courage and leaves you unable to cope. 
So what's going to get you through attacks and trouble and even bodily pain? A strong spirit. A strong spirit. Now somebody might say, well, God will get me through it. That's true, but he has to have something to work with. He has to have something to work with. Folks, if it was just up to God, everybody would come through attacks. Everybody would get healed. Everybody would come through sickness. Everybody would, would come out. You know what I mean? Because that's God's will, that, that everybody uh, come out. It's his will that no one perish. It's, it's his will that no one be lost. It's, it's his will that no one die young and no one live in lack and insufficiency. That's God's will for everybody. But, but everybody would, would triumph if it was just all up to God. But everybody doesn't come through it. Now, faith is a determining factor, and this verse in Proverbs is just another way of talking about the importance of faith. A strong spirit is a spirit full of the word. And the time to develop a strong spirit is when you are feeling good and you feel strong and well. That's a time to develop a strong spirit. If, 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 you, if you wait till you're in a lot of pain, you wait till you got a high fever, you wait till you, know, you don't feel good, it's more difficult to, to fight, isn't it? It's more difficult to resist. You're, your flesh just wants to put on your pajamas and go to bed. I know. It, 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 it's, that's what your flesh wants to do. Uh, and in the little skirmishes of life, if you, you know, you get knocked down, if you, if, you, if you don't give up, if you don't get up, and if you do quit, the consequences are probably not very significant. You know? It's, it's probably not a big deal. If you just let it go, and, and you just give up on that one, okay, I'll start all over. But when you come to life-threatening situations, there's a whole lot more at stake to lose if you quit fighting and you give up. Isn't that right, Ann? Isn't that right? Amen. So the devil's plan is for you to leave here early, to get out of his way, out of his sphere of influence on this earth and just just go get out of here so he can continue to steal, kill, and destroy. And most of the time, unfortunately, God gets the blame for it. But when you become a person of faith and you get in the Word and you find out what belongs to you personally and you take it, you take it to yourself, you become a threat to the devil. And that's when you get his attention and the fight is on. Everybody say out loud, I'm not leaving early. The devil will not force me to leave early. I will finish my course. Now, uh, a while back, I ran across uh, an article where someone had interviewed a group of Jewish people who had survived the Holocaust. 
These are people who saw their families gunned down in front of them. They saw their families separated on spot, put in a cattle car, shipped off to some place, and they never saw them again. People who had their businesses burned down. People who were humiliated in public. They were forced to get down on their knees out here on the sidewalk and scrub the sidewalk while everybody stood around and laughed and mocked and, and called them names and threw tomatoes at them or whatever. They were, uh, you know, had broken bones. They were tortured. They were forced into labor. They, they, they uh, possession stolen. Uh, jewelry, artwork, all their possessions just taken away by the enemy. And even those who weren't shipped off to concentration camps and who had to hide lived in hour by hour fear that if that neighbor next door finds out I'm here and they pick up the telephone and call the police, they're going to come ship me out of here. And they had to live with that fear hour by hour, every single day. And even the people who were hiding them um, lived in the same fear because if they got caught, they were going too. So folks, our challenges today seem pretty insignificant uh, compared to these people. Would you agree? <laughs> okay, now, one of the questions they asked these people was, what kept you going and what kept you from giving up in these circumstances? And one of the answers that was common among them in some form or fashion was, there was something I wanted to achieve in life, something I wanted to accomplish that I had, had not achieved yet or I never even started yet. They, they had some kind of a dream or ambition that they had not yet completed or fulfilled in their life, and they said, that was what kept me going. That was one of the major things that kept them going. Now, I've got several, uh, several little items here I just want to read uh, about this related to the fighting spirit. Now, this uh, Dr. Frank, uh, Victor Frankel, who was a well-known neurologist and psychiatrist, he was a Holocaust survivor, and his book called Man's Search for Meaning, he said, in one life, there is a love for one's children to tie to. In another life, a talent to be used. In a third, perhaps only lingering memories worth preserving. As a longtime prisoner, in bestial concentration camps, Viktor Frankl found himself stripped to naked existence. His father, mother, brother, and his wife died in camps or were sent to gas ovens so that excepting for his sister, his entire family perished in these camps. How could he, every possession lost, every value destroyed, Suffering from hunger, cold, and brutality, hourly expecting extermination, how could he find life worth persevering or preserving? 
even in the degradation and abject misery of a concentration camp, Frankel was able to exercise the most important freedom of all, the freedom to determine one's own attitude and spiritual well-being. No sadistic Nazi SS guard was able to take that away from him or control the inner life of his soul. One of the ways he found strength to fight, to stay alive and not lose hope, was to think of his wife. Frankel clearly saw that it was those who had nothing to live for who died quickest in the concentration camp. Another lady writes, in my barracks in Ravensbrook, I saw a woman who gave birth to a child. The other women hid the mother and baby. I don't know how they managed. This miracle became our happy conspiracy. I remember thinking that someday I too would like to be a mother with children in a normal house, in a normal place. To have such an outrageous dream in the concentration camp gave me hope, the belief in a possible future. Uh, this is, uh, this was a rabbi who spoke at an Air Force base in America, and it was part of Holocaust Remembrance Week, but it also coincided with the uh, Nurses Week, and he was talking about this fighting spirit and how uh, nurses in the, who were themselves in the concentration camp, uh, many of their uh, deeds have gone unnoticed basically, but he says, when I think about the Holocaust and the fighting spirit and courage of those who survived, one word comes to mind, resiliency. That sounds like steadfast, doesn't it? Resolute. The acts of courage and selflessness of prisoners towards one another that were demonstrated within the confines of the concentration camps are well documented. To be fearless and unwavering, fearless and unwavering when faced with adversity are spiritual concepts that cannot be taught. These are many stories of concentration camp survivors. And he goes on to say, the trained nurses among the prisoners in concentration camps are a forgotten example of how determined the fighting spirit can be. Within the struggle for existence and the concentration camps, they managed to create and live a life with purpose. Even under the direst circumstances of, of living in the concentration camps, they were able to manifest spiritual energy into their consciousness as a means to carve out a life of meaning within the horror of camp life. One more, uh, this came from the Daily Mail. A study done in, at a University of Israel found how overcoming adversity does help you live longer. Men who survived the Holocaust outlived Jewish men of the same age. And uh, these researchers say this disproves a common belief 
that psychological trauma shortens life expectancy by damaging the victim's DNA. Israeli scientists, now these are not preachers, these are scientists, uh, they found that post-traumatic growth enabled Holocaust survivors to develop enhanced personal and interpersonal skills. Men who survived the Holocaust live longer than other Jewish men of the same age who did not go through the hell of the Nazi death camps, new research has revealed. Male survivors lived up to 18 months longer than Jewish peers who were not confined to concentration camps during the war. They said the survivors gained new insights and a deeper meaning to life as a result of their intense psychological ordeal. The study of 55,220 Polish Jews found men and women who escaped before Hitler started his campaign of terror had an average life expectancy six and a half months shorter than those who made it to Israel after the war. And they conclude, Holocaust survivors not only suffered grave psychological trauma, but also famine, malnutrition, a lack of hygiene, and medical facilities, leading us to believe these damaged their later health and reduced life expectancy. Surprisingly, our findings teach us of the strength and resilience of the human spirit. The team found that older men in the group, uh, the older the men were, when they were caught up in this, the longer their life expectancy. Those who were 16 to 20 years old at the time, they lived to be 18, their life expectancy was 18 months longer than their peers with no Holocaust experience. And I've got just one article here from a uh, doctors in the Lancet Medical Journal on the fighting spirit associated with cancer, people who have cancer. And this five-year study, uh, all the, the doctors, they didn't all agree on the findings of this uh, study, but this one doctor writes this. This was, uh, he said they ignored uh, a study, the, the doctors he agree, disagreed with, they ignored another study with women with breast cancer and men and women with lymphoma, showing that fighting spirit was significantly associated with a favorable disease outcome. Since helplessness, hopelessness, was significantly associated with poor disease outcome, one would expect fighting spirit, the polar opposite, to be associated with a favorable outcome. What is meant by fighting spirit? Essentially, it means people regarding cancer as a challenge and adopting a positive attitude. Now that's, you know, the doctor's explanation. Uh, in a randomized trial of a cognitive behavioral therapy program uh, developed specifically for patients with cancer, we found that patients who feel helpless, hopeless, or who otherwise emotionally distressed could be induced by gentle encouragement to adopt a fighting spirit. 
Moreover, this trial showed that fighting spirit was associated with substantial improvement in the patient's quality of life. For this reason alone, clinicians should continue to encourage their patients to develop and maintain a fighting spirit. You know, um, if the doctor recognizes that you got some fight about you, they'll go beyond, they'll go out of the way to do more for you. That's just the way it is. If, if, they, if they see you got this sparkle in your eye and you got some fight about you, they'll, they'll go out of their way to see that you get the best and they'll, they'll uh, if you're in the hospital, they'll come in the middle of the night and they'll check on you and they'll, they'll do, they'll see, they'll, go, they'll stay with you if they recognize you got a fighting spirit. But if they see somebody that's already give up, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be too inspired to, to, to go all out. You know what I mean? So God's will is a long and satisfied life. Psalm 91, the last verse, with long life will he satisfy us and show us his salvation. But the devil will try to rob you of it. And we're not criticizing people who gave up and died early. We're not judging people. We haven't been where they've been. You know, we haven't been where they've been. Uh, pain can get old. And, and uh, people can get tired, you know. When you don't feed your spirit with the Word of God and you're not talking right, your confession of faith stops, you know, you're going to get spiritually weaker and you're going to get physically weaker. Your spirit will get weaker and weaker and you'll get physically weaker and weaker. What, what did Proverbs 18 say sustains you physically? A strong spirit. A strong spirit sustains a man in bodily, bodily sickness. So we're not against doctors. We're not against sickness. Uh, we are against sickness. We're not against sick people. We're against sickness. We're not against poor people. We're against lack and insufficiency because all these things are under the curse and it's easier to die than to live. You know, it just is. It's easier to walk by faith than to walk by sight. And doctors are fighting disease, but they're fighting it from the outside. And we're fighting it from the inside. So we're fighting it from the inside out. They're fighting it from the outside in. But you can have the best doctors in the world, and you can have the best immune system in the world. But that can be all to no avail if you don't have a fighting spirit and if you just give up and quit. The best doctors and the best immune system in the world, you know, is, is not going to help you. Now, I've asked Anne if she would come share for a few minutes uh, some of her personal fight of faith. Uh, when she was told about this brain tumor that she was diagnosed with many years ago. So, Anne, if you would just share a few things about uh, your personal fight. And uh, if you just share with us. And uh, 
maybe kind of start at the point where you were at the hospital and you had surgery uh, and what the doctors told you and what you did from that point. If you would just share some things with us for a few minutes. Okay? So how many fighters we have in here? Amen? Okay. And I just asked this fighter here to share because I've known her longer than I've known most other people in here. Amen? <laughs> and she's got some good support there next, in, next to her too. Amen? <laughs> he, he was involved in the fight too, but today it's Ann's turn to, to share. Here, let me move my things. And there, there you go, Ann. Put them up there on top. Well, when I had, I was diagnosed that I had a brain tumour, the tumour was so big it had dug its roots into my skull and it had grown right the way across my brain and my head and it pushed my brain over this side. So my brain looked, on the scan, my brain looked like a, a peanut shell. I really forgot myself then. But um, because I got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit quite a few years earlier, I, I really did just trust God that whatever happened, he would look after me. But anyway, when they operated on me, I ended up paralysed all down my left side and blind in my left eye because they had damaged the optic nerve. And they told me at the hospital that I would never walk again. And the eye hospital, when I went there, they said, but you'll never see from your eye properly again. And you, the best thing we can tell you to do is to um, ask for... Register blind. Register blind. Uh, register blind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> 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 and anyway... I got to know of Barbara and Gordon White's ministry and met Barb as well and I went into the it was incredible actually. Barb Barbara White had sent me a letter and I had not done anything about it, about her meetings in Guildford. And then I said to Peter I've really got to find a decent church and um, uh, here I was paralysed and having to be pushed around in a wheelchair and of course Peter used to get really frustrated at doing that. <laughs> I had to get out of that wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, I went into the faith ministry's meeting. It was upstairs and Peter lugged me out all the way up to the top. And Bob and Gordon and Bob prayed for me. And I never went in that wheelchair again. I had to learn to walk again. And it was upstairs. And I used to have to come down the stairs backwards to actually do it. But in the end, I was, because of my persistence, I was determined to actually get back on my feet properly. And, um, in the end, I was carrying two cups of coffee down the stairs and walking normally, you know, and I've been, I've been all right ever since. Yeah. Went back, went back for a scan. After I'd been out of, out of the hospital three months, I went back for another scan. They wanted to check me over. And my brain, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I mean, all I had done is just kept studying the Word and kept believing God that His Word was true and I would be alright and the Holy Spirit within me would deal with it all. And anyway, and then I went back a bit later on. Actually, I had a problem with this eye and it really it really bothered me that I couldn't see properly. And my daughter took me to her optician and he told me there was nothing he could do for me. And he sold me a magnifying glass, which I've got to this day and I've never used it. <laughs> but then I did a lot of praying and went back to Barbara and Gordon White's meeting mm -hmm. yeah. and I asked for prayer and my eyesight got totally healed. The optic nerve that they had damaged was, was totally healed. So it's just my, it's just having the faith to believe what God is saying in his word and it works. Yeah, you, had to, you had to, you had to act on it, didn't you? You, you had to fight because it, it wasn't all just instantly, was it? You know, because uh, you know, you, you even had the woman come in your hospital room and tell you God's a God of wrath and all this stuff, and, and that God yeah. was putting this on you. And, you know, yes, I had this pastor's wife. Um, came and sat by the side of my bed. She said, why do you believe the way you believe? This is before I, anything had really happened for me. This is early on. And yeah, because God is a God of wrath. And, and I said, it's time, will you tell me things like that? And I, you give me no hope at all. But anyway, it wasn't long after that that her husband's church just fell to bits. So obviously they'd been teaching the wrong things there. 
done. But you already knew that, fortunately, you had already heard the word and you already knew the truth before she said that. Yeah. And if you hadn't have already known the truth, you could have easily have just, you know, just given it up. Yeah. Just given it up. And I also remember, Anne, you received in faith. I mean, you were receiving. I remember praying for the brain to shift, and you received it. That's part of, you know, not yeah. just seeing it, but also mm -hmm. receiving. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. I remember mm -hmm. that, you know, you were. I mean, this is 25 years yeah. ago. And yeah. <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm, I'm walking. I, I'm doing everything that I'm, I'm, I'm even running if I have to. <laughs> just, just one more thing, lady. Uh, you had to go see Mr. Brooke, who's an arrogant surgeon who did the brain surgery, right? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and Brooke was so arrogant, if you didn't mention e, of the e on the end of his name, he wouldn't speak to you. <laughs> so she goes into this room, and Brooke's there, and he's saying, uh, Oh, Mrs. Graham, yes, how do how, how you get on? And she says, God's healed me. They say, oh God. <laughs> Do you know why Hindus have a white dot on here? She said, no, because they believe that the next Messiah will come from a man. And all I heard outside was. <laughs> I heard him. Like I, I, really <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to take that. I hit him and he said to the nurses in the room, Did, did you see that? Other. Do it again. But that what what I, I will always remember kind of also regarding a fighting spirit. I was well, the first time I ever saw Peter and it was the first Sunday they ever came to the meeting. And I had walked from the train station here in Guildford around the corner there at Weatherspoons to the electric theater. And when I walked around the corner, I saw this man who I'd never seen before, and he had Anne in backwards under her arms, and he was dragging her into the building. And he dragged her somehow up the steps. Now folks, that's a fighting spirit. That's a fighting spirit. That's not sitting at home well, God's will be done, and, uh, you know, I, uh, hopeless, helpless, pitiful little me, and I got to register blind, and whatever the Lord wants, will I just accept it? No. They, it took some effort to, to, to get up and drive whatever, 40 miles from South Sea every Sunday to, to, to be there. That, that that's a fighting spirit. You you gotta also get up when and you gotta. When Gordon White prayed for me for my eyesight, I when I went back to the opticians about a week later, they said the optic nerve was perfectly alright. Praise mm -hmm. so God. Once I got healed, and God God not only healed me of the paralysis, He healed my eye as well. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And the only way that we knew Anne had to go down 
after <laughs> two was we have to just pray that she'll come down and that she managed to Yeah, because there was no elevator. There was no elevator. So we, no all, elevator. we all yeah. agreed, well, the only way Anne will get down is we have to pray that she'll be healed to get down. I remember that, and she did. Amen. 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 It was good. It was good for us as well. Uh, it built us up. So everybody say, a fighting spirit. Fighting spirit. The strong spirit of a man sustains him. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Lord's not taking us out of here early. Amen. You want to you wanna close in prayer, Anne? You want to close in prayer? Yeah. Okay. Can okay. I just say one thing? Yeah. The fighting spirit can also enhance or promote it by the fact that she didn't like my cooking very much. <laughs> 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 I, I didn't clean the windows. I didn't clean the windows. And you didn't clean the house the way she wanted it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So you, so you want to, you want to close in prayer, and. Yeah. Oh dear Father God, thank you for your son Jesus and thank you for your Holy Spirit that's helped me all these years. Thank you so much Lord that I'll be able to share what you've done for me in front of these people. And I thank you Lord that you will encourage them to believe your word that it is true Lord. Amen. Thank you. Amen. And make us all have fighting spirits. Amen. Yeah. I know another man who's got a fighting spirit who sat on the back row there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's wonderful. Praise yeah. God. Well, I think I think we might continue along this line uh, next time. We'll we'll see. Praise God. Amen. Yeah.